So Yarmir Yager shows up in town, goes to the sports card thing that's paying him a ton of money to be there, but also ends up at PPG Paints Arena. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacovic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Number 68, along with numbers 77 and 35, if you can believe that. And no, I'm not talking about Tristan Jari. Paul Coffey and Tom Barrasso, of all people, were out at the Expo Mart in Monroeville as part of a big, big show. And they have to pay big, big dollars to get big, big names so that people can come out and spend big, big money on their cards. And I'm sure it all works out for them math-wise. But as long as Yager was in town, and by the way, all of this was unannounced except for the card appearances. There wasn't any sort of media access or any sort of hype train or whatever else attached to it. Yager and Kevin Acklin, who've been communicating for months regarding his future with the franchise, I'm not sure what the great way is to word that, what the relationship between the team and a true great of the team is going to be for years to come and into perpetuity. I'm sure that's not how they described it in their communications, particularly knowing Yaramir's grasp, continuing grasp, or lack thereof of the English language. So that bridge was already being built. Acklin, who is the president of business operations for the team, and really the highest ranking person in Pittsburgh, when you consider that the Fenway Sports Group doesn't have anybody here permanently, is a local lifer and worship the ground that Yaramir skated on. So he was the one that reached out, took this initiative, and Yaramir has obviously embraced it. If you've seen any of the photos that have come out of there, and again, none of them through any official organ, like the Penguins aren't putting stuff on their team page or their team social accounts. Uh, the best photos, in fact, are on Ackland's personal Facebook page, as well as on Yaramir's Instagram page. But you see him sitting there at his uh, at a stall that's got his nameplate over it in the actual Penguins locker room with a 68 uh, – Jersey that was uh, put together by somebody, uh, fittingly enough, the the alternate sweater that was used this past season at times with uh, the, the, the I, I always used to refer to it as the corporate robo-pigeon. I don't know what other people call it. You know what I'm talking about, the design from the 90s. Next to the stall, there was a framed newspaper, uh, the coverage uh, of which I was a part uh, from the Post-Gazette of the morning after he beat the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs. And I do mean he beat the New Jersey Devils. And he's smiling. He's laughing in all these pictures. There are a couple of videos. You can see that he's genuinely enjoying himself. He is. And for those of you who've been following my coverage, whether in written or spoken form for years now, You'll know that I use this line about him all the time. He is an overgrown child. 
I've said this many times to his face. There are some people, and I'm sure you have them in your life, who just never grow up. That's who Yarmir Yager is and who he's always been. And I have no doubt whatsoever who he'll always be. So when he's there and he's checking out the Ring of Honor and he's seeing Scotty Bowman and Badger Bob Johnson and all, you know, all of the players with whom he played, including Coffee and Barrasso and won championships, I'm sure it has a very real impact on him. Look, things didn't go great. Okay, he really, really blew it with the whole dying alive shtick. And he never needed to force a trade. He never needed to let down a lot of the people that he let down, including, I should add, Craig Patrick, who also was at this card show. But, you know, he also could have been that guy who says to the Penguins, you know, 15, whatever it is, years later, after coming back to Pittsburgh and getting booed every time he touched the puck, even though I had no issue with the fans doing that. I'm speaking for myself here. He easily could have. Arguably should have, but didn't. All he ever wanted, actually everywhere he's been, and I don't just mean NHL teams. I don't mean teams around the world. I mean in any room that he's in, all he wants is to be loved. He's a kid. He's just a big kid. And he wants that from Pittsburgh again. I'm sure the card money is the reason he came over, but as long as he was in the neighborhood, this little gesture meant something. There is no secret, there is no suspense as to whether or not he's going to be honored by the Penguins. Mario Lemieux has stated himself out loud that 68 will be raised to the rafters someday. That's appropriate. That is as it should be. There currently, of course, are just the two numbers. There's 66, and then there's the number 21 of the late Michel Briere, who was tragically killed after a phenomenal rookie year in Pittsburgh in the early 1970s. That's it for now. Of course, there's going to be an 87. There's going to be a 71. We'll see about anybody else. You want to make sure that you're keeping an honor like this, you know, an actual honor as opposed to just giving it to everybody. There will be discussions to be had about Chris Letang, about Marc-Andre Fleury, but not about 68. Not about 68. Anybody who witnessed experienced the level of greatness that he brought to the game in Pittsburgh, even, even in Mario's shadow for a good portion of it, but then taking it to another level once Mario had his first retirement and Yaramir was given the captaincy, something that a lot of us, myself included, wondered what the hell he was going to do with that. All he did was exceed expectations. He continued accumulating scoring titles and MVPs at the same pace that Mario had. And of course, even after leaving Pittsburgh, he continued to pile up points at a pace that would eventually put him into an, an orbit with the game's greatest players who ever lived. Yeah, this is this one's special. I was blessed to have covered Yaramir's career in Pittsburgh. I was blessed to have covered him in a couple of Olympics as well, where in a weird kind of way, I got to know him uh, differently. You know, he wasn't just 
the Pittsburgh player talking to the Pittsburgh reporter. Uh, I could see a different side of him when he was around his Czech teammates. And really, more than anything, I, I, I grew to appreciate him for who he is instead of worrying about all his many faults. And they are real, as a lot of people who covered him did. It was a fun professional relationship, one that I'll always value. And you know what? I fully expect before long to be covering that 68 one up to the roof. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from TJ Neese. And TJ, like a lot of you who wrote to me over the weekend, referenced the Friday episode in which I basically just gushed about how beautiful hockey is because of that spectacular Eastern Conference Final Four overtime game in which the Panthers beat the Hurricanes. So it's safe to say that TJ speaking for a lot of listeners here when he says, DK, I also love great hockey, even when... I don't follow either of the teams involved. I said to my wife about 10 minutes into this game, this is what playoff hockey should look like, and she agreed. That said, I couldn't last the whole game, and I fell asleep after the second OT. <laughs> and I heard a bunch of that, too, because, you know, nature takes over. And there's also a part of you, TJ, when you're watching one of these things, you think they're never going to end. So when game two comes along, and, of course, Panthers and Hurricanes go to overtime yet again. It was borderline stunning that Matthew Kachuk scored again as early as he did because you're just sitting there braced for it. They're just going to do this again. In fact, it's even more likely you'd think that they'd do it again because they've got less energy to defend. And that's been where most of these teams, plural, energy has been invested. They are defending so hard. I know I'm going to tick off people when I say this because there are people right now that are just ready to bash Mike Sullivan for, for no reason at all, let alone legitimate reasons, which do exist. But th- this is this is what his brand of hockey looks like when it's being executed. It should look like something that Pittsburghers would appreciate because the last time you did see it getting executed around here, it was being followed by parades. It's aggressive. It's in your face. It is physical, just because he didn't want to play Ryan Reeves and have him chasing people around for fights and going to the box and everything else. And by the way, no other team that's had Reeves before or since has ever held on to him for very long either, I should point out. But Sullivan has valued very much so physical hockey. He wants to see two, three, even four sticks in a pile fighting for the puck. Who does that remind you of in these playoffs? That's the Panthers. That's what they do. They have bigger dudes who can skate, who get in there, who knock people around and get the puck. And they're not running around chasing hits either. They're doing it with a purpose. Now, if you want me to levy a legitimate criticism of Sullivan, it's that he has someone like that currently on his roster and does not utilize him properly. And that's Drew O'Connor. I'd say that whether or not O'Connor was over in Finland right now scoring a bunch of goals, which really probably ought to be 
the subject of an episode at some point this week. O'Connor's got hands. O'Connor can do stuff, scoring-wise, skill-wise. But more than anything else, he's a human forecheck. I've actually shared that exact terminology with him. He goes in, uh, whether it's a corner or just straight onto the end boards, like a wrecking crew. He demolishes some things, and then he comes out of there with a puck because, again, he's not looking just to make some kind of splash with a big hit. He's looking for the puck. He's looking for possession. And more often than not, he gets it. And that kid's getting eight minutes of ice time a night, and that is not okay. And that is on Sullivan. So I'm not – whenever I talk about – actually, whenever I talk about most things, you'll hear – some version of a gray in there because the world isn't all that black and white. And neither is this head coach. He's got some significant shortcomings, but he's also got some great strengths. And you have seen those on display, and you're seeing an example of it right now with what Paul Maurice and his Florida Panthers are getting done. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who wrote about uh, their feeling of watching these playoffs right now. By the way, all four of these games, even though they've uh, each of the the two series is 2-0 right now, have been really good games. And I have a feeling that if, in fact, you do see the two teams that I predicted would make it to the Stanley Cup final, the Panthers and the Golden Knights make it, oh, my goodness. Let's do it again tomorrow. 